in the season that we've come to in this holiday. Granted, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. Uh, the world is taking their part to do that very thing. So, in regards to this, coming to our catechism lesson, we've come to understand now the doctrine that is Christ and his exaltation. And I will use this lesson today in particular to strictly keep our focus on the resurrection. And in the second part of the exaltation, I will then guide your attention to his ascension, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and coming to judge the world the next day. So with this, I bear to you, I submit my soliloquy to the Apostle Paul, as if you open your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 10. Note here what the Apostle Paul states. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive, in which you also stand, verse 2, by which you are also saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I handed down to you as a first important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he prepared, appeared to Cyphus, then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me did not prove in vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. The remarks that the Apostle Paul is making here in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians should give every man, woman, and child the learned and the unlearned hope, but also again the amazement at the power of God, by which we see in Christ being resurrected resurrected, we can see just by which that power and the secret of that power is at hand. Now, albeit we know the Redeemer humbled himself in his life, granted also his birth, but also his death, but then in being raised from the dead on the third day, 
I give to you why it is of most importance. And you see the impact that it has on Paul. I'll even go further as into showing you just by which that power holds. Consider how he was even exalted even more because remember in his humiliation, that body that was prepared for him, remember in that lesson, it saw no corruption. So further, what could that also imply? Well, given that he was also raised, death could not hold him. Acts 2, 24 to 27. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For as the psalmist stated, I saw the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad. My tongue was overjoyed. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Now, think, think this process through. If the Redeemer, if the Christ, if the Messiah does not raise from the dead, I cannot stress this point any further. The faith of the elect, the faith of the church is in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. I will not paraphrase and read verbatim. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. So much so, verse 18, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Verse 19, if we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we of all people should mostly be pitied. It tells you the importance of the resurrection. This is not a mute point, ladies and gentlemen. This is very important. But since he did raise from the dead, the benefits are such and is shown entirely through scripture. And sadly, I do not have more than 20 minutes to convey a various list of them. But of importance, he is the first fruit of those who are asleep. And his elect will find life in him. Not only life, but the assurance of the resurrection from the dead on the last day. This can be understood 
by the good and necessary cons consequence found and deduced from Scripture. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22, and I read verbatim, but the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man death came, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. You see, the resurrection is a show and a point to understand that gravity that God was going to do, to undo the death that was, that was done in the garden. And we know that both the just and the unjust will be raised on that day. But mind you, mind you, the resurrection of his people, there is a profound nuance to this. Just like your faith, just like your repentance, in Christ also is the resurrection whereby God, the Messiah, the Son of God, is giving his people life. Note in John eleven twenty five, this adage I bring to you is the thinking behind Martha and not realizing the very effect and the power of God at hand. She was wondering, she questioned, she doubted the work that the Messiah was going to do to raise her brother. She even quoted, he's been dead. The body has been disposed for four days. How can it be so that he can be made whole? The Messiah states in kind in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. So, let's continue on this adage. Being raised on the third day, he was raised in the same body that he died and was buried in. I bring your attention to Luke 24, 36 to 43. This one, because of time, I, mean, I will not have time to read the whole thing, but I bring your attention to the key points and avenues that the Christ is providing to his apostles. No, here he stood in the midst of them. Peace be with you. But they were startled because they thought they were seeing a spirit. Spirit. So he stated to them, why are you troubled? And then, again, why does doubt arise in your hearts? So what does he do? He shows them his hands. He shows them his feet. He shows them his side. And he states, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Now, even to their adjoined amazement, they still not believe. So he goes even further and said to them, Do you have anything to eat? And he took the broilfish and he ate it. Well, how about doubting Thomas? I bring it to the account in John 20, 25 through 27. He states, Until I put my hand in his side and my hand in those holes. I will not believe. But then the Messiah reappearing again said, well, you've seen me and you now believe? Blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. Now, 
in keeping with this thought, I don't want you to think that you can just nullify and say, well, okay, of course, we're going to be resurrected. And I brought this to you in a basis of when I did the sermon about testing your faith, about considering while some people skew the thought process of the resurrection. Now, given that to be so, Paul even goes on further to state, why do you dabble in unbelief? So much so, in 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 36, he calls them fools. Because, you know, they're thinking, well, what if I cremate myself? What if the body was eaten? What if the body was ravaged by beasts? Or like I stated in John 11, Martha said the body's been decayed, Lord, for four days. But again, the Messiah answers in kind. And I bring your attention to John 11, verse 40. Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So the adage here is quite quaint. We are not to underestimate the power of God. For it is proper, as 1 Corinthians 15, by verse 38 continues, God gives a body just as he wishes. And you can nullify all the mysticism that will come with all the rhetoric from the humanists because they may think, oh, when I come back, I will be a bird or a bear or whatever I colored that I colored when I was in preschool. That is not the case. For by verse 39, the scripture states, there's one flesh of mankind. There's only one flesh of animals. There's another flesh of birds and another flesh of fish. So by verse 32, so is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but there is an imperishable body that will be raised. There's a body that's sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in glory. There's a body that's sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. So a natural body was sown. A raised body, that is a spiritual body, will be raised. Not to belabor those points, as we continue in Christ's exaltation in his resurrection, being raised from the dead on the third day, he also declared, or was to be declared, that he is truly the Son of God. Romans 1 verse 4, who was declared the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, to add to this point, declaring that he is truly the Son of God. He satisfied divine justice. Now think of this. Even the centurion sitting, actually standing in front of him in Mark, truly saw in the way that he died, this man truly was the Son of of God. Romans 8, 33, 34, who will bring charges against God elect. God is the one who justifies. He, who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died, but was rather raised. He vanquished death, and he had the power of it to do it. Note here in Hebrews 2, 14, as it's shown, just the power and the efficacy that comes with the resurrection. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, Hebrews 2.14, by the way, he likewise also took part of the same, so that through death 
he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And being that he raised from the dead, he can also be the Lord of those who are the quick and of the dead. Romans 14, verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. He is now and take formally the head of his church. Colossians 1, 18. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he himself will come to have first place and everything. So then being the head, he was raised for the justification of his people. The elect, Romans 4, 25. He who was delivered over because of our wrongdoing and was raised because of our justification. And being the head, he's also raised so that we are quickened or made alive in grace. Ephesians 2, 5 through 6. Even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him. The significance of the resurrection cannot be a small point, ladies and gentlemen. And I bring this to you because people have a small disregard. And I mean this by small because they just don't consider the effect. A guy dies, and when he dies, you don't expect him to come back. So you go through your days, you notice that you know, life moves on and you continue to go your merry way. But when you speak to people who question their purpose in life, you speak with people who seem to not have an understanding of why it is that they live, as well as no question that you can see they have no hope. And the things that they do, granted some things could be nefarious and they can be terminal by suicide or taking on their life, they just don't think that there is another aspect to life that they should consider. And in this, being the season of the resurrection, and in this understanding, knowing that Christ is exaltated in the resurrection, now is not so much a small point, but a point of knowing what he did and the act that was done by raising from the dead. Unlike the humanist who has no hope, he gave hope to his people. Because just as, just as it was written in Genesis, unto the end what we see with the canon being closed in Revelation, he is alive and he gives life. So by his ascension, by sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and by coming at that final day, think upon this, that every single thing that he does or is predicated in the scriptures is so that the church will know you will find life in him. I said it before and I will say it again. John eleven twenty five, 25, the 
Christ stated, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me will find life even if we die.